Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you again. Whether you're here in the room, we want to welcome you, or you're joining us online through YouTube or Facebook. We know we have a lot of travelers uh, that are traveling this weekend, and that's good on Labor Day. It's good to have some time off, but we're so glad that you're with us at Calvary. You know, last week we concluded our series, Summer in the Psalms. And I want to tell you that next week we're beginning a brand new series based on Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Uh, in that, in that uh, book, John writes, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, letters straight from the heart of Jesus to seven specific churches in seven different cities. And we are going to look at what Jesus had to say to those churches, and we're going to let it speak to us as well. So I encourage you to come back, uh, come back next week, and if you want to work ahead, just read Revelation chapter 2 this week. Well, today we're going to be in the book of Matthew. In January of 2021, so about two and a half years ago, we embarked on a journey to go through the gospel according to Matthew. And as of today, we have made it to chapter 12. All right, chapter 12. It's taken us two and a half years to get there. But of course, that's because we've been spending a lot of time in other series uh, as the Lord leads us to share other things that he wants to uh, speak to his people. But you can turn with me to chapter 12. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 12. Now, during our Summer in the Psalm series, if you were here that very first week, we talked about how um, back in the day when we didn't have Spotify and iTunes to make your playlist, you could make your own playlist on what we called mixtapes. <laughs> Amazing technology back then. And so, so you, could, you could put together your favorites, your best of, on, on a cassette tape. And they had cassette players, kind of like the one that's in this graphic behind me. And some of, some of them had another feature. Uh, you could not only play cassettes, you could record on them as well. So you had your cassette player and you had your cassette recorder. And there was a button on there uh, that said record. But listen, you didn't hit record by itself. You had to hit the play and record button together for it to record. Any of my 80s folks that grew up in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about, right? You had to use that. Uh, play and record. Uh, kids, I'm telling you, the technology back then was mind-blowing, right? <laughs> play and record. Man, so complicated, right? I remember as a pastor's kid, uh, you know, we had cassettes of sermon series, right? So we had entire closets devoted to storing cassette tapes, right? And in that room, you'd also have a, a duplicator. Anybody remember cassette tape duplicators. You could put the master cassette here and then you could daisy chain, you know, four and then another four and you know, a whole bunch. You could record with one button, multiple cassettes and it whined really fast because you had to rush out to the lobby to put the tapes in the people's hands before they left for church. Well, and now we have podcasts and YouTube and all of that as well. Uh, but I remember growing up as a pastor's kid, all of those tapes and tape recorders and, and devices. Now today with modern technology, there's all kinds of digital recorders. And of course, if anybody has a smartphone, your smartphone is now a digital recorder. Most people, if they wanna record their conversation, they can just hit that record button on their phone. Now on top of that, modern technology has created a new phenomenon. It seems that there are cameras everywhere around us recording. Right, we've got doorbell cams, 
We've got home security systems and cameras at the workplace and cameras at school, cameras on the bus and the public transit. There are, there are cameras, just so you know, at red lights. Anybody found those yet? Anybody been given a ticket because a camera caught you? My hand is up first. I can tell you where it is later. Uh, but man, it got me. That camera got me. Cameras are, it seems like Big Brother is always watching us and always recording us and always listening. And there are some instances where people forget that they have a microphone on. One such instance was President Reagan during a sound check prior to a radio address in 1984. Now remember 1984, uh, you know, the, the, the Cold War was hot. Uh, right? It, it was the height of the Cold War with the Soviet Union. And he jokingly said during his sound check, my fellow Americans, I'm pleased to tell you today that I've signed legislation to outlaw Russia forever. Uh, we begin bombing in five minutes. <laughs> well, unbeknownst to him, someone caught that and, and leaked it. Fortunately for him and for our nation, uh, there was no ma major fallout. But every president since then have had similar moments. They've had those hot mic moments when they thought that they, their comments were off the record or behind the scenes, behind closed doors, and something came out of their mouth that was unkind or profane. Now, it was not that long ago that most microphones had cords. Right, cables, cables on the end of the microphone. So if you happen to be on the stage singing or talking and you were through, you would put your corded mic on the mic stand and leave the stage. The mic does not leave with you. But now we have, now we have these modern uh, wireless mics. Just turn that phone off. I'll tell you what, that is so distracting, isn't it? Makes me wanna fight a little bit though. Did you hear that? Where was I? The microphones. Well, now they have these you know, wireless microphones. Now, I've not had many slip-ups. Usually when I leave the stage, I hit the mute button. But there's numerous stories, you can go look them up, of pastors who leave the stage and then they excuse themselves to the restroom where they proceed to flush the toilet and, and all of that kind of stuff, right? We won't go into the gory details there. But can I tell you that whether or not we are wearing a microphone or carrying a tape cassette recorder, we are always being recorded. The microphone is always on, and that's because God is always listening. Every word that proceeds out of our mouth, every thought that we have, does not go hidden from the Lord. And so in Matthew chapter 12, we're going to pick it up at verse 33 here. Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees about this very issue. He says this, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, he goes on to talk to the Pharisees. Now he's getting a little upset, right? How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, 
you will be condemned. So Jesus, he's explaining that there is power in our words. Now, for context, he had been in a confrontation with the Pharisees. Uh, Earlier in the chapter, we see where Jesus healed someone, but it was on the Sabbath day. He cast a demon out of someone, but it was on the Sabbath day. And this really bothered the Pharisees. They were legalistic and had all of these rules that they wanted to abide by. And so because it was the Sabbath day, they'd rather people remain sick or remain demon-possessed rather than being healed, delivered, and set free. And this bothered Jesus. In fact, it perturbed him. He was upset about their piety and their fake holiness and their lack of compassion. And so he says, good trees bear good fruit, bad trees bear bad fruit. And I'm here to tell you, Pharisees, this is some bad fruit that is on your tree. He says, you are evil. He he said, you brood of vipers. In essence, announcing that they were evil. Their fruit was evil. Their motives were evil. Their nature was evil. Their character was evil. So much so, that's why they couldn't say out of their mouth anything good, helpful, wise, truthful. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so with their mouth, they condemned themselves. That's what Jesus was saying. You haven't justified yourself. You've condemned yourself with your mouth. They couldn't hide their evil behind their status, their robes, their their title, their position. Their words betrayed what was going on on the outside. In fact, their, their words revealed their true character. If you're writing notes, you might wanna write that down, that our words reveal what's going on on the inside. Words reveal the inner person. For these Pharisees, these posers, they made, had a, a, an outward form of religion, but on the inside, they were hollow and rotten and evil. Now, I, I think we've all either called someone or been on the receiving end of an accidental call. Uh, some might call it a pocket dial. You like that? I, I, I struggled in between services. What's a good word? Because we all know that rear end dial, but we use another word, right? So what can I say as I'm greeting people? I'm like, hey, good to see you. And I'm thinking in my mind, Kelly didn't like it when I said that in first service. What? Pocket dial, right? We've all been on the receiving end, or maybe you've accidentally pocket dialed someone, right? You've got that family, that person in your family. You know who they are, right? Uh, that, that you don't know when they call. Are they intentionally calling me or not? In fact, they're such a regular offender of the pocket dial that you don't even, they're calling, should I answer or not? Because there's a 50-50 chance they're accidentally calling me, right? Well, one such instance happened to uh, Kelly and I years ago, probably close to 20 years ago. And it was a member of the worship team. It was not a, the church here, but, but somewhere else. And uh, this individual kept calling and calling Kelly. She'd pick up the phone, say hello, and nobody was on the other end, but she could hear some noise off in the distance, so she'd hang it up. Well, this kept happening over and over, and so, so the final time, she picked up, and she said hello, didn't answer, but she thought, you know what, this time I think I'll listen in. 
Let's see what's going on in this person's life, uh, you know. And so she stayed on the phone, and what she heard uh, troubled her spirit. Because with his words, he was hanging out with some people at work and was revealing with his words that he was participating in some unrighteous, unholy, very bad behavior. Behavior that was unbecoming to a husband and a father and certainly unbecoming to a Christian man. And so when we got that information that we didn't ask for, we had to make a decision, man, we got to let him know because if he continues down this road, it's not going to go well for his kids, his wife, his family, certainly not going to go well for him. So we chose to lovingly confront this young man. And let me just pause right here and say, uh, when your pastors or your spiritual leaders lovingly confront you, lovingly correct you, would you consider having hearts to receive that correction? Okay. A lot of people in, in the churches today, I'm not talking about anybody specific, but today's, we just don't want to be corrected. Listen, we care for your soul. We care what your position is as it relates to your relationship with the Lord. And so when the Lord reveals something to us or we observe something or your life group leader or your brother or sister that you know has your best interest, when they come to you lovingly, I'm not talking about condemnation or manipulation. We've all experienced that, right? I'm not talking about, I'm talking about someone that, that lovingly confronts and you know they're right. What would it look like for us to receive that and move forward and grow in our discipleship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So for this individual, fortunately, he had a teachable spirit. He was embarrassed, he didn't run away, he owned it. And uh, so we, you know, we talked about our restoration process. Hey, obviously you need to go repent to your wife. You need to turn away from that. Maybe change your groups of friends and, and the uh, activities that you've been hanging out with. Not be on the worship team for a little while. But he, had a great, he took it like a champ. He had a great attitude. He actually thanked us. Thank you for showing this. This was a blind spot, and I was spiraling out of control, and I needed a lifeline, and I believe that God had me call your phone to call me out so I could get back on the right path. So, that, great, that was awesome. Proud of him. Proverbs says, by the way, that a, a wise person will receive that correction. It's a fool that rejects it. So you want to be wise? Receive that loving correction. But for this individual, his words revealed what was really going on. At church, everything looked great. But his words revealed what was happening on the inside. The mic is always on. The recorder is always recording us because God is always listening. Now, we speak on average about 7,000 words per day. Now, for some, that's, uh, that number is much less for some, that number is much more, right? But on average, it's about 7,000 words per day. That, that equals about 50,000 words per week. That uh, adds up to be about 3 million words per year. And over the course of our lifetime, that ends up being over 200 million words. 
And Jesus said that we are going to give an account to God for every single one of those words. Look again at verse 36 from our text. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Other translations say every empty word or every idle word. But Jesus is saying there's coming a day when we are all going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for what has come out of our mouth. Now, we're not coming up there to, to, to find out if we're going to heaven or hell. It's not a salvation issue. If you have made Jesus the Lord of your life and you are actively pursuing him and actively following him, you're in, you're going to heaven, praise the Lord. But we are going to stand before the Lord one day and give an account for every idle, empty, careless word that comes out of our mouth. And listen, I believe that it's not only spoken words, it's written words too. You're gonna to give an account for your social media posts. Those memes that you shared, right? You're gonna give an account for that email that you sent. Text messages and direct messages. Even the messages that you delete Guess what? God got the screenshot right before you deleted it. <laughs> he hears everything that goes on. The recorder is always on. The mic is always hot. Back in Genesis, we read the story where an angel of the Lord comes to Abram. Okay, later his name would be Abraham, but, but Abraham was really old when the angel appeared to him. He had been on Social Security for decades at this point, right? Really old, and he says, hey, Abraham, you and Sarah, you're going to have a son, and you're going to be the father of a great nation. Well, Sarah was in the tent, not right there with the angel and Abraham, but when she heard it from the tent, she laughed. She thought she was laughing under her breath. But when she'd come out to, to, meet, uh, to meet the angel, the angel said, hey, Sarah, why did you laugh about what I said? You know, because she's thinking, there's no way. I'm way past my childbearing years. She said, well, I, I didn't laugh. That wasn't me. And the angel said, oh, you did. I heard you laugh. That was you. In the New Testament, we see a story of Ananias and Sapphira. This was a couple that came to give money to the church but, but they conspired to not give all of the money. They came up with a plan, the, the, this couple, this married couple. They wanted to save some of that money for themselves. You know, so they said, we're going to give it all, but secretly they were holding some back for themselves. That wasn't the problem. The problem was that they lied about it. They came before the church leaders and they lied about it. And they said, oh yeah, we're bringing every penny to the Lord, knowing that they weren't. Well, the Holy Spirit prompted Peter, said, no, no, hey, Peter, just so you know, those two are lying. The recorder was on and it caught them. It cost them their life, by the way. And here's what I hope and pray, that the recorder that is on in our lives would reveal our love for God and our love for people. That the recorder wouldn't catch us tearing people down, but building people up that my words would be encouraging and uplifting? What would it look like, because of the words that we speak, for people to say about us, there is something different about you. There's something different in the way you speak. It's just different. It's kind of on a, a higher level. You don't talk like the rest of us. Wouldn't that be cool? 
Jesus said we're going to give an account for every word we say. That means at work words, at home words, in the car words, on the golf course words, under your breath words, watching sports words, right? In the heat of the moment words, guy talk words. And on and on. We're going to give an account for every word. And once those words go out of our mouth, we can't take it back. Those words go out looking for somewhere to land. And I don't know about you, but, but for me, sometimes it's best that I just keep quiet. Just keep quiet. Proverbs talks about that in chapter 17, beginning with verse 27. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Come on, that's word for somebody today, right? You just need to keep quiet, right? Abraham Lincoln paraphrased it like this. He said, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. (laughs) A lot of times, it's best to just not say it. It's best to just keep quiet. Hey, listen, sometimes there's a victory in keeping your mouth shut. Sometimes there's a victory when we allow the filter of the Holy Spirit to take control of our mouth and we use the do not send button. Listen, wise and intelligent people are not over talkers. They've learned that in some cases it's best to keep quiet. Those of you that have mamas like mine, you grew up hearing, son, if you don't have anything nice to say, say that's right, don't say it at all. Now, let's talk about some specifics. Are we doing okay this morning? I know uh, last week, if you were here and it was your, uh, Psalm 150 was rah, rah, let everything that hath breath pray, amen, amen. This is a little bit different, but this too is the word of God, right? Right? So, so thank you for, for bearing with me. I've been wanting to share this. It's been on my heart for a long time. And finally, I said, yes, Jesus, I'm going to share it. This is what you want your people to hear. This is what we're going to share. And so let me talk some specifics about our, our, our talk. I believe that we are going to be giving an account to God for the profanity that comes out of our mouth. I'm talking about cuss words, cussing, profanity. Now, some of you, you're brand new to Christ and and you've not been taught that this is part of being a follower of Christ. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. Jesus said it. This is a discipleship issue, right? We're not trying to get you or anything like that. And it's a process. I get it. Some people, when they come to the Lord, uh, God immediately changes the way they think and the way they speak. For others of us, sanctification is a process, right? And and eventually, as we keep surrendering to the Lord, uh, our vocabulary will get cleaned up. Here's what Proverbs says in chapter four. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter four. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. He also said this in Colossians chapter three. But now you must... Also, rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. 
He's saying that there is no place for profanity in the mouths of believers. He's saying that our speech should be pure. It should be words that lift up and build up and encourage and bring life to people. Listen, it is troubling for me when I, pe- when I hear people who know the Lord, they know the word. I'm thinking of some pastors too. They know the word, they know the Lord, and yet they still choose to drop some profane language. They cuss. Maybe it's not out in the open. Maybe it's behind closed doors. And they say when they're confronted about it, oh, it's, it's just words. It's not a big deal. It's just words. Jesus said we're going to give an account for every word. We need to keep filthy language out of our vocabulary. Now listen, if this is a struggle for you, maybe you need to do some evaluation. Maybe you need to evaluate what you are consuming. What are you allowing into your mind, into your ears, into your eyes? Okay, if you're, maybe you work in an environment uh, where, where they just, they cuss a lot, they use profanity a lot. You don't need to participate with that. I'm not saying you're a jerk to them. Maybe there would be an occasion where you could actually uh, ask them politely in a loving way. Hey, would you guys mind not using that word around me? Oh, they may not oblige. Uh, they, they may just keep doing it, but at least they know where you stand as it pertains to filthy language. You need to be careful what songs you are listening to. There's no need for you to be listening to songs with explicit lyrics in them. I had a guy in the Welcome Center in between services tell me, hey, the Holy Spirit really convicted me. As we were praying that last prayer, I went on my phone and I deleted songs that I knew weren't good for my spirit. There are certain movies that the Fergusons, we're just not going to watch. The, the, the language is, is too filthy and coarse for us. And listen, I don't even like the, the substitute cuss words. You know, the words that sound kind of like the word, but isn't really the word. You know, I mean, you do a little creative moving of a consonant here and adding or subtracting a, a vowel there and voila, we've got a Christian cuss word. <laughs> I don't even think we should be doing that. Because everybody knows what you were thinking. You just chose to substitute it for another word that sounded kind of like the other word. Anyone remember bar soap? Remember bar soap right before we had the, you know, the pumps and all of that? They still make bar soap, by the way. In fact, some men, that's like that's all they have in the shower. I don't need all that frou-frou stuff and the five or six bottles at my wall. Just give me a bar soap and I'm good from head to toe. But back in the day... Bar soap was, was useful for washing our mouths out. Now, I, I had, I had, now, dad would spank me very rarely because I was such a good child. But, <laughs> but mom, she wouldn't spank me, but she would wash my mouth out with soap. And I, did, I didn't have a, an issue with cussing or anything like that. Uh, but every once in a while, I had some sass talk. Anybody know what sassin is? Yeah, you used to sass your mom or you sass your dad. That just means you were short with them or you were sarcastic or, or whatever you kind of snipped. You know, don't be sassy with me, young man. And so a, a few times, 
what would happen is I would get taken into the bathroom and mom would get that bar of soap and get that washcloth and just begin to lather up the soap and it would build and get soapy and sudsy and then she'd shove that washcloth right in my mouth and on my tongue. And I'd be like, oh, that's disgusting. And she'd be like, your words are disgusting, young man. How many think it'd be good if we had a bar soap revival in America today, right? But listen, I don't want my words to embarrass the Lord. I want to speak only things that glorify the Lord. And listen, parents, I want to talk to you. Uh, your kids, they're sharp. You might think you're, be, you're, you're getting away with, with saying that. They're picking up on it. And, and if you mess up, listen, it's okay. And you're like, well, what do I do? I mean, I just said that bad word or I was I used profanity in front of my family. Just go to them and ask for forgiveness. Say, I'm sorry, dad should not have used that word. I should not have done that. You know, as the leader of this home, as the father of this home, I want our family to walk in righteousness and in the favor and blessing of God. And that kind of language has no place here. So uh, I'm sorry. And then just move forward. It's okay. There's no condemnation. Let's just move forward. And use our mouths for what's only helpful. Now, here's another area of speech. I believe that we are going to give an account for gossip. Everybody say gossip. Followers of Jesus should not be participating in slander or gossip of any time, of any kind. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 20. A gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. Avoid anyone who talks too much. That's some excellent advice. Avoid gossips who like to talk a lot. I read a story about four pastors who met for a, kind of a friendly gathering. They wanted to get together and encourage one another. And, and uh, uh, one of them had this idea. They said, hey, you know, we're always ministering to our church people. They come to us when they mess up, when they fail, when they need counseling, when they need to confess their sin, that sort of thing. But, uh, but we need a place to go too. So what if we were to confess our sins to one another and kind of have a, a safe place where we could hold one another accountable and, and confess that sin? You know, it's good for the soul, right? So, okay, yeah, let's do that. Well, let's start right now. And so the first pastor, he went first. And the first pastor admitted that he struggles with watching bad movies, right? So, so movies that, that were inappropriate, uh, movies that he would even uh, preach against. The very next day, he'd watch that very kind of movie. Then the second pastor, he confessed his sin. He, he confessed to enjoying, uh, to smoking cigars a little too much. Right, man, when, when I have a hard day at the church office, sometimes I get home and to take the edge off, I'll just smoke a little while. And then the third pastor, you know, he, he said, he confessed, I, I struggle with gambling, just to be real. Sometimes I, I sneak off and I do the slot machines and I, I play poker for money. And then finally it was the, the fourth pastor's turn and he, he at first chose not to say anything. He wasn't, he wasn't spilling the beans. And so the other pastor was like, come on, man, we've all, we've all bared our souls to you. We've told you our secret sin, so you tell us. Come on, tell us. What's your vice? What's your secret sin? They said, well, guys, it, it's, it's gossip. And 
can I tell you, I can hardly wait to get out of here because this is some really good material. <laughs> Listen, we don't want to be that guy, right? Proverbs 18, 8, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Other translations say it like this. Rumors are like dainty morsels that sink deep. Those rumors, that gossip, it's so tantalizing. We want to hear that juicy scoop about what's going on with that person. It's like morsels. Ooh, I like that dainty. Give me a little more. Give me some more of that. But Proverbs says those morsels, that gossip, it goes deep to the inmost parts. Gossip and, and, and slander and talking badly about others, it, it tends to get on us. It, it, it sticks on us and it goes deep. It embeds itself and it's not good for us. Now, now uh, researchers say that negative and bad words and messages tend to be more believable than positive and good messages. Especially when we repeat it over and over, we repeat that, that gossip. It embeds deeper and deeper inside of us. The media knows this. That's why almost all of their reporting is negative reporting. They know it's gonna stick, it's gonna land on us. We, we like that juicy scoop. Bad news about someone embeds deeper inside of us than positive news. It's just, it's just human nature. We are hardwired for negativity. And it's also human nature to pick up offense, pick up somebody else's offense. You weren't even involved in the confrontation, but yet you're picking up that person's offense without even hearing them out. Those are dainty morsels, Proverbs says, and we always want to hear more and more. Uh, let me just remind you this. If they're going to share that fake news with you, they're probably going to spread some fake news about you. If they're talking about them to you, you can be sure they're talking to you about them. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? I messed that up the first service too. If they're talking to you about them, they're probably talking to them about you, right? Speaking is hard. Easy for me to say, right? God knows this about us, and he says, I don't want you participating in that kind of talk. No gossip. Don't take part in any of that stuff. Now listen, here's another area of speech that we're gonna give account for, and that's obscenity. Maybe similar to profanity, a little bit different, lewdness or, or crude talk or dirty jokes. Ephesians 5 verse 4, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. That means we don't tell dirty jokes. We don't tell stories or jokes that have sexual or dirty innuendos. Those things need not come out of our mouths and into our ears. It's dishonoring to God. And it's dishonoring to God's people. And when we participate in this kind of talk or we hear it, it, it shouldn't make us laugh. It should embarrass us. We should be blushing a little bit when, when we hear those kinds of things. The laughter of the crowd is not worth the frown from the Savior. 
Everyone at work or school, they might like you and think that was funny and think you're cool. But if God's not cool with it, then it's not worth it. Just keep your mouth closed. Here's another kind of talk, angry talk. Let's be careful with angry talk. Proverbs says that a soft answer turns away wrath. The the New Testament says, in your anger, do not sin. And don't let the sun go down on your anger. We're going to give an account for angry words. We're also going to give an account for complaining words. Griping, murmuring, complaining. You know, when you're griping about something and trying to get sympathy and build your case against someone that you perceive has, has wronged you, God doesn't like that kind of talk. He doesn't want you complaining to someone about someone else. That really gets under God's skin. If you remember back in the Old Testament, the Israelites were grumbling and murmuring and complaining about their leader, Moses. The leader that God called to lead them out of bondage. They were complaining about him and it got him so upset that he just wanted to wipe him out. He said, Moses, I am so sick and tired of their complaining and their grumbling. They're never happy. I just want to wipe them out and I'll start all over with you. Listen, it it wasn't because they were uh, committing fornication or adultery or telling crude jokes or cussing. What really got the Lord mad and wanted to wipe them off the face of the earth was their complaining, their grumbling. Now, fortunately, For the Israelites, Moses stepped in and they were spared. Paul put it like this in Philippians chapter 2. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Here's what I believe. I believe that God cannot bless or anoint someone who is complaining and grumbling and murmuring. When you participate in this kind of talk, you remove the blessing and the favor of God from your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to do good things for you. But we disqualify ourselves when we use our mouth with such language. And listen, let's not be the one who uh, is available to receive it either, right? Well, I was just listening to them. I didn't say it. I was just listening to them. I didn't even go looking for it. They came and they found me. Listen, people take their complaints to those that they know will be sympathetic toward their complaints. When they have something to share that's bad or negative, they know who they can go talk to. Where do you take your trash? You take it to the trash can. You you take it to the garbage can because you know that garbage can is going to receive the garbage that you are bringing to it. So let's not facilitate complaining from other people. So what do we do? Well, there's an acronym that I saw years ago. Maybe you've seen this one too that I think could be a really good filter for us. And we ask ourselves these questions before it comes out of our mouth. So uh, the acronym is for the word think. Let's think before we speak. Think before we speak. The first question we'd ask ourselves is, is it true? Is what I want to say actually true? 
Not hearsay, second or third or fourth hand information. But is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Let's think about what we speak before it comes out of our mouth. The book of Psalms has some good advice for us too. It says this in chapter 141, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. He's asking, the writer here is, is asking, Lord, would you install a filter in my mouth and on my lips? And then in Psalm 19, we read this a few weeks ago during our Summer in the Psalm series. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Lord, I don't want the things that I meditate on and I think about, and I don't want the things that come out of my mouth to bring displeasure to you, my Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I don't want to have destructive words. I want to have sweet words that are healing to the bones, sweet words. Church, can we be a people that take our language to another level, that we go a little bit higher, right? As it pertains to our words, can we take another step toward Jesus? As far as it depends on me, I'm going to use my mouth and my lips and my tongue to only say what is positive. And we want to have a reputation as a church that is not negative. Oh, that's that gossip in church down the road. No, no, no. Let's let our, you want to find healing and hope and be encouraged? Go to Calvary. They use their mouths to encourage and build one another up. Let's be people who bring comfort and peace and healing sweet to the soul. Jesus said, by your words, you are either justified or you're condemned. If you say it, you're going to be held accountable for it. Well, I didn't mean to say it. It was an accident. It just slipped out. That wasn't really my intention. Oh, no. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you said it, you're going to give an account for it because the recorder is always on. Now, listen. At the end of the day, let's not ask the question, how close can I get to the line and still be okay? What can I get away with? What am I allowed to do? What am I allowed to think or say? I want to get just as, I don't want to go across the line. I just want to get, no, that's the wrong question to ask. The right question is, how close can I get to Jesus? If the line is here and Jesus is over here, I want to be going this way. I want to get as close as, I don't want to displease him. I don't want to embarrass him. I want to bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. See, when I've surrendered my heart to him, when I get close to him, I don't even have to wonder if the words that are coming out of my mouth are right or wrong. Because I'm so in lockstep with the Spirit of God that what's coming out of my mouth is building up and encouraging and speaking life. Because he has my heart, because I am devoted to him, therefore the words of my mouth are filled with praise and worship and adoration and encouragement and peace and comfort and life. Come on, amen, everybody? Amen. In fact, right now, 
Let's use our mouth to bring glory to God. Come on, everybody, out loud. Let's just begin to use our words, use our lips to lift high the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are great. You are wonderful. You are our master, our redeemer, our savior. All praise belongs to you and you alone. You are worthy of worship, praise, and glory, and honor, and power, and wisdom to you, the only wise King, forever and ever and ever. We lift your name high. Thank you, Jesus.